Lab podcast. I am your host, JT Bugis, and today we're going to be diving into the only two things you need to do to get stronger. So, there's definitely more than two things that help you get stronger, but these two things are the meat and potatoes, as they would say in the Midwest where I'm from. And so, these are the things that you really want to get in line first and make sure that you're doing first. And again, there's other helpful factors, and we are going to touch on those helpful factors. But these two things, if you're not doing these, you got no hope, you got no chance. And so we wanna make sure that we're doing these first, that we understand how to do them and where their benefit lies. And so really, if you're not doing anything else right, you can still get stronger by just doing these two things. And so again, we're gonna touch on the other helpful factors that you do wanna do along with these two, but is your bread and butter right here are these two things so without further ado let's jump into what those two things are so number one is going to be managing your intensity and this is something that took me a long time to learn to be very honest took me years because at first i was very very concerned with volume volume meaning like how many sets am I doing? How many exercises am I doing? How long am I in the gym? Am I doing a bajillion different exercises for a bajillion different sets? That's volume. It's basically how much work that you're doing. And I over-prioritized volume at first, which didn't mean I wasn't working hard, but it did mean that I was using up a huge amount of my gas tank and not getting a lot out of it. So that's where intensity can come into play is that you don't have to do quite as much, but you can get more out of it. And so a lot of times when you're doing lots and lots of volume and lots and lots of exercises, that stuff at the end of your workout is not quality work. You're not doing a lot to stimulate extra muscle gain because you're just dog tired. And so you're not able to put intensity into it. And so when we actually bring volume down and we bring intensity up, that's where we we get the secret sauce. That's what really, really works because it's our intensity that determines muscle growth. If you're casually curling five pounds, at some point, you're probably going to get tired. And at some point, you're probably going to reach failure where you can't do any more reps. But it's not very effective for building muscle. But if you're curling 30s or 40s, and you're really getting after it, and it only takes you eight to 10 reps or something like that in order to reach the point where you can no longer do any more reps, now we're talking. Now we're stimulating some muscle growth. Now your muscles are like, hey, damn, this guy's asking me to lift weight, or this girl's asking me to lift weight, and I can't do this that well. This is hard, so I'm gonna get stronger. And so that's really where intensity comes into play. Um, And again, there's the fortunate byproduct of you don't have to do as much volume. You don't have to spend as much time in the gym doing a whole bunch of different exercises to get the results that you want, which is pretty fucking cool if you ask me. But how can we actually measure intensity? Because this is very, very important. And this is something that is a trap I think that a lot of us fall into is that we think we're working really, really hard. And we are working hard. I'm never going to discount that because if you're in the gym, if you're lifting weights or doing cardio, guaranteed you are working hard. That's why we're there, right? But I do believe that most of us leave something on the table where we can bring our intensity up more, still not, still not past that point where it's going to then have negative effects because like you're going to failure too often, you're tying yourself out too much, things like that. But I do think there is 
for most people, a gap between what we think is high intensity and what truly is our high intensity. And so first and foremost, we need to be brutally honest with ourselves about what that intensity looks like and how much we are really absolutely bringing it. And so we can actually measure intensity in two different ways. These are the two ways that I use with myself and my clients. And so they're what's called rating of perceived exertion, which we're going to call RPE during this conversation, and reps in reserve, which we'll call RIR. And so rating of perceived exertion is a simple one through 10 scale. And this is totally subjective to you and how you're feeling. And so a one is giving no effort. This is you sitting on the couch, bag of chips on your chest, not moving, watching football all day, activity level zero. So that's, I think I said one, but that's zero basically. It's just not moving at all. 10 is I can't possibly do any more work. I'm about to die. Like I am trying as hard as I can. I'm running as fast as I can. And at any moment I might pass out because that is how, how hard I am working right now. And so this is the scale that we use to determine where our intensity level is. And so typically we want to be hovering at about that eight out of 10, roughly, because that's going to be high enough intensity in order for our body to be challenged, to become uncomfortable, and then thus to want to change and adapt. Because we don't put our body in that challenging and uncomfortable place. It doesn't care about changing. It doesn't care about adapting because there's no, there's no challenge to overcome. There's nothing to get stronger to. If your body can do it relatively easily, it has no incentive to change. It has no incentive to get stronger. And so we have to push it into an uncomfortable place. And at about 8 out of 10 intensity is typically where we're going to see that without, again, spilling over into that area where you're going 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. And then you're just asking for too much recovery demand from your body. And you're just simply maybe not doing harm, but you're not going to see the results that you really want because it's going to be difficult for your body to both recover and adapt. We don't want it to be focused as much on recovery. We want to make that part easier. We want it to grow and adapt. And so that's where we do want to back off from like 10 out of 10 effort. That is something that's okay to do occasionally to really see where that 10 out of 10 effort is. That is a helpful exercise is to actually go to failure with a safe exercise so you can understand where that failure is. Because I think a lot of that, a lot of times people don't do that. And so that's where we end up with that disconnect between where our intensity level actually is and where we think and are telling ourselves it is. And so going occasionally all out, especially on, again, an exercise that's safer, you know, whether it's an isolation exercise, dumbbells are better, barbells, you can do some, some movements to failure on, but those are going to be a little bit trickier for sure. But finding out where that failure is, is useful for calibrating an actual RPE, an actual intensity effort. But we don't want to live there. We want to live closer to that eight out of 10. And again, that's going to be enough in order to spur on change, to spur on adaptation without putting you backwards a little bit because you're asking too much recovery from your body. You're doing too much, you're putting too much stress on it that it can't recover from appropriately in order to also give you time to adapt to said stress. But again, if we're just hovering around like a five or a six out of 10 intensity, we might get a little bit stronger. We might see a little bit of muscle growth, but really we're not challenging our body enough in order for the body to want to say, hey, I've got to change something here to meet the demands that are being placed on me. So if we go too low intensity, we're not going to make 
as much or any progress. If we go to high intensity, we're not going to make as much or any progress. And so that sweet spot is around that 8 out of 10. And now reps and reserve, RIR, is kind of uh, inverted. It's kind of uh, on the opposite end of RPE, meaning that like the difference between where you're at in RPE and that 10 is what RIR should, buy, should be. So if you're at an 8 out of 10 RPE, then 10 minus 8 is 2. You should be at about 2 reps in reserve. So that's kind of how they play off of each other. So on the other example, if you're at like a 6 RPE, you should have about 4 reps left in the tank. And, and that reps in reserve means how many reps you have in your tank at the end of each set. So if I'm standing there and I'm watching you and you finish your set and I say, hey, how many more reps you could you do if I said you have to keep going until you black out and die? And that is an extreme way to put it. I don't want you to do that. But how many more reps could you do until you reach true failure? And if your answer is more than two, then you should probably add some reps or add some weight because either one of those would benefit you and put you into that reps and reserve area that we want. And so again, since the typical RPE that we want to aim for is about eight, the typical RIR that we want to aim for is about two. So generally speaking, you want to end each set feeling like if you really got after it to the point where you could not do a single another rep with good form, you can only do at most two more reps and then you'd be toast. And so that's the reps in reserve that we want to aim for. And so again, going to failure occasionally can help you calibrate with this so you can really truly reach your RIR. Because oftentimes what happens is you think you're reaching that two IRR, RIR, and then you take a set to failure and all of a sudden you're doing five, six, seven, eight more reps than what you had anticipated being able to do. So again, rarely going to failure in order to calibrate where these numbers actually should be and your subjective feeling about those numbers can be very, very beneficial. But we don't want to overdo that. We just want to use that as a tool to kind of measure where we're at and make sure that we're in a good place. But each set should end where you're like, whew, man, I got after it. That was really challenging. I probably could have done two more, but man, who would have been tough. I really would have been pushing myself. And so that's reps and reserve. And so again, if you end a set and you're feeling like you can do two more, well, that means that you either did leave reps in the tank or you you left weight on the table and you could have done more of either. And so this is going to take us to the second thing that you need to do to get stronger, which is progressively overload. And so progressive overload happens in multiple ways. And I suppose I should define it first. So progressively overloading is basically just doing more over time or being better with the movement over time. So again, there's multiple ways you can do this. Doing more would be like adding reps, adding weight, changing your rest periods, changing your tempo, but you can also get better at certain exercises and certain movements, and that counts too. So if you improve your form, if you go across a greater range of motion, both of those things are progressive overload as well. Now, the, the most fun and the typical ways that, that we chase progressive overload and in order to simplify it, is to add reps or to add add weight. And so again, that RIR is going to come into play for understanding when you can do that. So if you end that set and you're like, mm, I could have done three or four more, well then it's like, cool, like do one or two more to put you in that spot where you're actually at two RIR or add weight so that the number of reps that you do actually falls at that two reps in reserve. There's multiple ways to do this. But again, the easiest way is to, to kind of add reps 
until you add a few more reps from where you began. And then once you're able to add a few more reps at the same weight, then that's when you increase weight and you kind of go back down. So let's take a look at an example of this. So let's say your your program is calling for doing deadlifts, three sets of eight by 10. And let's say you can get three sets of eight at 135 pounds. So one of the best ways to attack this is to do obviously that three sets of eight at 135 pounds in week one. In week two, all we want to do is just add a rep. And if you can add a rep to each set, so three by nine at 135 pounds. If you can't add a rep to all three sets, that's okay too. We just want to add at least a rep. That is 135 pounds extra that you lifted that week versus the week prior. That is an increase in volume. That is progressive overload. So don't get stuck being like, oh man, I only did one more rep this week. Great. That's phenomenal. Again, if you can do more, do more and fight for that extra rep on all the sets that you're doing. But even just doing one more rep absolutely counts as progressive overload. It doesn't have to be on a large scale. We just have to do a little bit more to ask our body to continually get stronger and change. So week one, you do three by eight at 135. Week two, you do three by nine at 135. Guess what we're going to do week three? We're going to do three by 10 at 135. And now you're feeling pretty good. You're feeling pretty strong. And you've increased those reps within that rep range, within that eight to 10 rep range. And so now you're at the high end of that rep range. Cool. Let's add some weight and let's go back down to eight. So if you have small plates, you can just add two and a half on each side. So you're doing 140 pounds. If you're feeling real spicy, you can just add fives on each side and go up to 145 pounds. But basically you'll increase that weight and you'll start back over at three by eight. So let's say it's at 140 pounds and we're doing slow methodical gains. Well, okay, so what we're on week four now. So now we're doing three by eight at 140 pounds. Guess what we're going to do in week five? We're going to do three by nine at 140 pounds. Guess what we're going to do in week six? We're going to do three by 10 at 140 pounds. And then the cycle repeats and we go back down to three by eight, but we do so at 145 pounds. And now it's not always going to be as smooth of an increase as that. That's really just unrealistic expectations. If you're early on in your lifting career, you are going to see more noticeable and more consistent gains across the board more quickly like that because you are getting not only muscle and strength adaptations, but also neural adaptations. Your brain is getting better at executing the movement, which helps you to get stronger. You're literally just getting more efficient and effective at the movement, and that adds strength. So you're able to move up a little bit more consistently, but the more experience that you get, the slower that progress is going to be. And so it's likely not going to be as consistent and seamless as what I just laid out. You may be just adding a rep to a set each week, which again is still great. You may be adding just those five pounds and you're, after you add those five pounds, you're stuck at three by eight for two weeks, three weeks, and then you're able to add a couple reps and then you're able to stay there for a little while. And then you're able to add one more rep. Then you're able to increase weight just a little bit. Like it's going to be messier, but the point is that we just always want to be fighting for that little bit more. That's what progressive overload is. And so that example, so you can see, you know, the more idealized version of it, but understand that it's not going to be, not going to be that clean cut and easy. It's going to be a little bit messier and that's okay as long as we're continually fighting to add that extra rep or add that little bit of extra weight. And again, like you can even increase volume by adding sets, but that's that's adding time to your workout as well. So for the most part, I don't often do that. I, I want you to, to work on your intensity and your overload because those are going to be the two most important things for stimulating that strength growth. 
And so that's really what it comes down to. Manage your intensity and work on progressively overloading movements. If you do both of those things really, really well, you are absolutely going to get stronger. You're absolutely going to add muscle and you're going to be able to do it for as long as you're lifting. These are foundational principles for strength training and for being able to get stronger and add muscle forever because that's what we want, right? So I did mention there's other factors that are helpful for getting stronger. These, again, these are the two main ones. If you're not doing these, the rest of it doesn't really matter because these are the things, the managing intensity, the progressive overload. This is the signal to your body that you want to grow muscle, that you want to get stronger. And if you don't have that signal, it doesn't matter what else you're doing because the body never received the message that you want it to change. So we have to send the message first and then we can add in other factors. So one important one, if you want to get stronger, it helps to eat enough calories. Our body needs to be well-fed in order to get stronger. It doesn't mean you can't get stronger if you're eating less calories. Let's, let's say you're in a fat loss phase. You can get stronger then, but it's a lot more challenging. It is much easier if you're eating enough calories, if you're at least at maintenance, if not on a surplus. And this especially comes with carbs. Carbs are our energy. Carbs contribute to performance. So we want to eat enough carbs. And we definitely want to get our protein too, because that's what's actually going to structurally add muscle. That is our building blocks, our physical building blocks of muscle. And a bigger muscle is a stronger muscle. And so we want to be able to grow, repair and grow those muscles um, in order to get stronger. And protein is going to help with that. But again, it, it does matter to just your general quantity of calories. Eating enough calories overall is going to make sure that you can get stronger more optimally. Choosing the right exercises helps too. So compound lifts are very important. Compound lifts meaning that they work more than more than one muscle group. They're not just isolating one muscle group. So things like squats, deadlifts, pull-ups, bench press, overhead press, rows, like those are the big ones. We want to use those compound lifts early in our workout, but we do want to throw in isolation work afterwards to emphasize the muscles the individual more individualized muscles that we want to work nothing is like truly individual um, but we can emphasize certain areas and so we do want to throw in that type of work after our compound exercises and if you're doing all compound you know that is difficult to recover from too so we do want to work in some some movements that are a little bit easier on your nervous system that aren't so taxing that aren't so stability demanding um, that just don't require quite as much effort, but we do want to do them after the big motor movements, the big compound lifts that are going to stimulate the most muscle growth. So those ones are going to be key for building muscle. We just don't want to abuse them because then again, the, the recoverability goes down because they're, they're demanding movements, but choosing the right exercises helps and then rest and recovery. We can't be training every single day unless our rest and recovery is on another world and expect to get stronger. It's too much stress. Exercise is a stress on the body. And so it is something that we have to recover from if we want to change and grow from it. Rest and recovery is absolutely necessary for getting optimally stronger. So get your sleep. Remember, low intensity activity is a recovery factor as well. So get your steps. And take days off. You don't need to be in the gym seven days a week. Hell, you really don't need to be in them even five or six days a week. Three or four days a week is amazing. Otherwise, get your rest. Stay active on those days. Don't be a couch potato. That's where, again, the low-intensity activity comes in. But you don't need to be in the gym all the time. Outside the gym is where you grow and where you get stronger. And we want to give our body adequate time for recovery. 
in order to optimally adapt our strength gains. So those are the other factors that are helpful. But again, we need to be managing our intensity properly, and we need to be progressively overloading if we want to get stronger. And if you do those things, you can still do a lot of things wrong and get stronger. So those are the big blocks. Those are the foundations. We obviously want to be doing other things well too, but manage your intensity, progressively overload. If you do those two things, you're definitely going to get stronger. So thank you for tuning in. Thanks for your time and your intention. If you found, I think I said intention, attention, that's what I'm thankful for. Thank you for your attention. But if you found this helpful, if you found this useful, please do me a favor, rate the show, share the show on social media, tag me. My socials are all in the description. I would love to get this out to more people who we think it could benefit. So thank you again for joining me for this podcast. We'll be back with more next week.